0: and salutations out there sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet michael shibley with you here for another sterling stupendous glorious edition of modern day gladiators here on the outlander media network oh yes I, again, your glorious yet humble host, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, Michael Shibley, and we've got a stacked show from mountain climbing to LSU football to World Cup. We've got it all. And of course, wrestling. The Undertaker is back for some weird reason in the WWE, which has not been adequately explained. So we're going to dive into all of that here on Modern Day Gladiators. But of course, first, again, you were listening. To modern modern-day gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. You can check out all the shows we've gotten. That includes Haffle DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, Scared Stupid, the Phantasm Podcast. You can check all of that out at outlandermedia.net. You can check it out. You can see all the episodes we've got there. We've got a great media player right there for you. And, of course, you can also check us out wherever you get your fine podcast. Casts, including, easy for me to say this morning as I'm recording this, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and all of them. You can check them out there, and wherever you listen to our podcast, please like, subscribe, share, give us those five-star reviews. We need them. It helps get everything out into the algorithms and get us out to more and more people. The more you love us, the more we love you back, and give it out to you guys. And of course, you can check out Outlander Media on all of social media. You can check out all the podcasts there. You can follow me at Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley, or you can check out Modern Day Gladiators on Facebook or on Instagram, and I post... Daily updates there with random thoughts that happen in my head throughout the day with what's going on in the world of sports and professional wrestling. So you can check all that out. Plenty more where that came from. It's awesome. We totally reek of awesomeness. Check it all out. And of course, we're on Patreon as well at Outlander Media, so you can check that out and all of that cool stuff. We've got a conglomerate. We're trying to rule the world here in the world of podcasting as we all try and do here in the world of podcasting. But let's finally dive into the world of sports. And of course, the big thing happening in the world of sports is the Women's World Cup. It's been going on, and finally the intensity has ratched up as we are now into the knockout round. We finally have some matches that are a little bit more nail-biting and definitely garnering more interest, including yesterday when the women of the United States, the U.S. women's national team, took on Spain. It was a gritty performance from the U.S. They did win. They advance as they were supposed to. Spain is the 13th ranked team in the world in FIFA rankings, but hey, they gave the U.S. all they could handle. Megan Rapino getting two penalty kicks for the two goals to go up 2-1, you know, and again, Rapino being the captain that she is, great one in the 7th minute, and then in the 75th minute, that last penalty... It was the correct call, it was a foul, but definitely a soft foul for that PK. It is a little concerning that the U.S. was not able to get any goals in the natural flow of the game. They had to get the two in penalty kicks, and of course the goal they finally did give up in uh, the Women's World Cup. It's the first goal they've, they've given up. It was just not a good communication between the goalie and Sauerburn, the defender, and just a, a big mistake there and gave up an easy goal, really, and that was two minutes after the first penalty kick goal, so something to keep an eye on there for the women is hopefully they do not make that mistake again because that would not be good at all. Uh, And again, because the U.S. is now set up the big match, probably the biggest match until the World Cup final when you look at terms of eyeballs watching and people really excited about it, and that is the U.S. is going to be taking on France in the quarterfinals, and that is happening on Friday. That's going to be great. France, of course, going and winning... Uh, two to one over Brazil. They had to get that uh, winning goal in extra time. That was another great match. It was a wonderful thing. And again, Brazil going out on their shield. Marta and some of these uh, women who have been on this Brazilian team for a long, long time was were never able to get the World Cup that they wanted. But they, I mean, they've had some great moments. Of course, Abby Wambach getting the goal two World Cups ago in 2011 with the header at the absolute death to force the penalty shootout against Brazil. That was just a great moment. But Marta, uh, the great Brazilian and all-time World Cup leading scorer with 17 goals, both men and women, on that in her fifth World Cup. Not saying she's retiring, but saying, hey, it was very inspirational, saying younger women of Brazil, you're going to have to pick up this torch now and saying essentially, you know, cry at the beginning so you can smile at the end, which was just great. It was inspirational. I loved it. Uh, happy trails to Brazil uh, heading out of the World Cup but France moving on and you've got to look at this when it comes to the. US versus France uh, France and the United States they played an international friendly back in January and it was in France and France won three to one so just keep that in mind as we head toward this the game is happening in Paris so you're not and again France they're the host nation the whole World Cup's happening in France. So, you look at all of this, the U.S. is not going to have the home field advantage. There's been a lot of partisan U.S. fans who have been traveling to all the places, but you're in France's home country. They're going to have an advantage as well when it comes to the home field. They're the fourth ranked team in the world behind the U.S., Germany, and England. So be ready. France is ready for this one. They want to take down the king or queen, this matter, however you want to call it. They're ready to take the shot at it. They want to win the World Cup. Their male counterparts won the World Cup last year, so why not them? It's just, I'm excited to see this one. It's going to be a great atmosphere there in Paris. Tickets on the secondary market. So StubHub and Vivid Seats and whatever they have in France. They're going for up to $11,000 there for this match. So... Be ready for that. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Other teams who have made it to the quarterfinals so far, uh, Norway versus England. England, of course, had some controversy with Cameroon. There were just some calls with the video-assisted referee, which is essentially replay. They The Cameroon players were not happy with a lot of that, so they were kind of protesting mid-game it was I don't know it was just not great when you look at this the the optics of all of it but England did get the win three 0 over Cameroon Norway advancing and beating Australia on penalty kicks so they're gonna face each other and then you've also got uh, in the quarterfinals that have been set as of this recording Germany versus Sweden uh, Sweden advancing over Canada which was just again an amazing match uh, Canada had a penalty kick in the second half, and Sweden made the great save, which is what preserved the victory there, one of the best penalty kick saves you'll ever see. It was amazing, wonderful to see, and Germany took care of Nigeria 3-0. So, again, you've got the best teams in the world advancing to the quarterfinals, so not a lot of upsets yet, really. Norway, probably the biggest upset when you look at the fact that they're still doing it without the balloon d'Or player, the best player in the world, so they've been able to do that. So, again, it's been a great Women's World Cup. The uh, the round of 16 is finishing today with the rest of the matchups as of this recording. I don't know why I keep saying that, but anyway, you, just go watch it. Tune into Fox and FS1. Check out some great women's soccer during the day. It's going to be amazing. Meanwhile, we look at also what's going on with the women's national team. We've talked about this before, that the, uh, the women's national team has filed a... Uh, gender discrimination lawsuit talking about the fact that they're not getting as equal pay, even though, um, you know, honestly, they've been the much better, more successful team through so much of this. I mean, the men's team, and we'll get to them in a second, failed to qualify for the World Cup this last time, and the women just keep winning. And all these different things, but some of the, one of the good things that seems to have happened is the U.S. Soccer Federation and the Women's National Team have agreed in a tentative agreement to pursue uh, mediation together after the Women's World Cup. So that could be really interesting to see what happens there and see if anything resolves it. Um, you know, they've had again pay and working conditions. So we'll see if anything happens with that. It'd be great instead of this having to go to a trial. uh, Hopefully they can get those things resolved. Speaking of the men, of course, we've talked about this plenty as I've voiced my anger and disappointment and wrath and any other adjective you can think of about just the U.S. not making the World Cup because they could not beat Trinidad and Tobago in World Cup qualifying over 600 days ago at this point still a little sore about it the US did get some measure of revenge in the CONCACAF Gold Cup as they faced Trinidad and Tobago now this was in Cleveland uh the US was only up 1-0 at the half but then they scored five goals in the second half to win 6-0 over Trinidad and Tobago and looked good doing it but again Trinidad and Tobago they're not a good team the US has won In the Gold Cup competition in group play, they've beaten Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago. Those are not heavyweight teams in CONCACAF, so you should beat them 4-0 and 6-0. The fact that the U.S. couldn't do that in World Cup qualifying just still boggles my mind. Still nice to get a little bit of revenge, but still, it doesn't make me feel much better about the fact that they missed the World Cup. We'll see what happens as the Gold Cup continues. The U.S. is playing Panama in the next couple of days, so we'll see where that goes, and of course, we'll break all of that down here on Modern Day Gladiators, but that's going to wrap up your soccer news for the day, head over, again, watch all the World Cup action, it's amazing, the women who are playing are playing their hearts out, it's great drama, as any soccer match really is, and again, for the most part, unless it goes to extra time, the game's over in two hours, you can go out and enjoy the rest of your day, but let's switch gears here, really quick, this is a story... That has been bubbling for a little while, and it got a little bit more prominence as uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. He did his extended segment talking about this, and that is what's happening on Mount Everest. Again, the tallest mountain in the world, 29,029 feet above sea level, and the fact that it is becoming more and more hazardous. You would think it'd be hazardous enough because, again... Over 29,000 feet above sea level, lack of oxygen up there does some terrible things to your brain and different things, but it has become even more hazardous because of overcrowding and inexperienced climbers on the mountain. There have been at least 11 deaths happened this year, which is one of the deadliest on record that they have had. Three of those deaths have been Americans you look at it and they've seen pictures if you've watched check the news out and again check the john oliver segment that has happened um but the show you know lines of people waiting to stand on the summit and get their selfie and get their picture up there that the fact that they summited mount everest here here's a little perspective of what happened you had back in 1953 the first people to summit Mount Everest, at least recorded in history. Sir Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa Ted Zignorge summited in 1953, and until 1988, there were only 260 ascents of Mount Everest. That's all. I mean it's for experienced climbers it's the tallest mountain in the world you would think you would only the best would get up there now again a lot of experienced climbers and people who do this for a living and know what the hell they're doing have said Everest really isn't the most difficult mountain to climb there's debate whether it's K2 or some of these other ones but anyway it's still the tallest which means hey it's you're the, at the highest point you can be above the earth so that's what they talk about there, but then once some of these expedition companies started advertising and offering guides, especially Sherpas, and uh, ways to get up there and training and everything, uh, by 2003, it went from the 216, or 1988 to uh, a little over 1900. Now, between 2003 and 2018, now it's gone up to Over 9,000 people have summited Mount Everest, and what you're seeing, again, is there has been too much trash coming there. There's fecal matter because, again, there's no place to put – there's no toilets up there. It's the highest point in the world. Nothing will function up there. So when people got to go, they got to go, and it's just there. Now, normally – It would freeze and just not do anything, but because of climate change, some of it is starting to melt and come down the mountain, which is not good to have a poop ball coming down the mountain at you while you're trying to summit, so that's not good. But one of the things too is, and HBO Real Sports did a great job of this as well, is talking about the Sherpas, which again are some of the 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 tribe in Nepal who does a lot of these climbing expeditions, and they're the ones who summit all the time. They're being overworked, where they're taking all these people because these people aren't just climbing on their own. The Sherpas are almost to be just to use a rough term they're being pack mules almost and hauling all these people's extra gear and heated tents and different things to give them more comfort as they summit the mountain which is to me boggles my mind because the question the philosophy the philosophical question I have is if you're climbing Mount Everest but the Sherpa is pretty much hauling everything up there for you are you really climbing the mountain when they're the ones laying the ladders across all the crevasses and they're the ones carrying your extra oxygen and your heated tents and all this other stuff, that are you really climbing Mount Everest? I mean, think about it. My wife and I, meet, we make an annual trip from Knoxville here. We go into the Smoky Mountains and we climb at Klingman's Dome, which is the highest point in the Smokies. Yes, you drive to a parking lot and then you walk about a half mile up a paved walkway up to the top of the observation tower, but we're still the ones doing all the walking. We're carrying everything. The granola bars we carry for a snack, the water bottle, we're carrying all of that. We're not using anybody else's assistance to get up there. So, yes, millions of people climb it all the time because it's also only 6,600 feet above sea level, but we're still doing all the work ourselves. The Sherpas are pretty much almost helping you all the way up but then what's also happening is you got to get down you get to the summit yeah great you still got to come down and a lot of these people are dying on that way down and you've got these different steps, and you've got all these inexperienced climbers. There's stories of people who have never done any mountain climbing, and they're going to climb the tallest mountain in the world, and some of these low-rent expedition companies are like, we will train you and show you how to use all the spikes and, and ice picks and everything. And it's a mess there. Honestly, I don't really think you're climbing Mount Everest. And of course, you're like, well, how do these people even get to do it? Well, all you have to do to climb on the Nepal side, there's two sides, there's the one in Nepal, and then there's the one on the Chinese side in Tibet, and the the one in Nepal is an easier climb, but all Nepal takes, I think, is an $11,000 climbing fee, and you have to have a doctor's note to show that you are physically fit, and you can pretty much get a, you, you look at this, the health in this country, you can get a doctor's note for almost anything, really, I mean, heck, you know, legalized marijuana, you walk in and say, I have anxiety, here's your prescription for medical marijuana, which is fine. We've talked about medical marijuana on this show, whatever. But this is climbing Mount Everest, and they've done studies to see you're at twenty nine thousand feet. What the lack of oxygen, even though you're breathing into an oxygen tank, what it does to your head. Altitude sickness is a real thing. These are bad things that can happen to some of these people. I don't even what it does to some of these people. It's amazing. And then when you're stuck, you're an experienced climber and you're waiting to get down. And you've got all these people who don't know what they're doing and they're freaking out. And you can't go. You're stuck in the death zone, which is the top of the mountain, and you're not going anywhere. You're screwed. It's awful. It it can't be good. It's John Oliver equated it to how frustrated do you get when you're trying to walk down an escalator and everybody's just standing around or you're someone who travels a lot and you're on one of those airport uh, moving sidewalks and everybody's just standing around and you need to move because you got a flight to catch. And that's frustrating. Imagine being 29,000 feet up in the air and have no oxygen and your brain's about to slide out the back of your skull because where the pressure is and that's the only place it can go. It's not healthy. So... Again, you have to look at it, and it's become almost really just a status thing for a lot of these rich people because, I mean, with these heated tents and these expeditions, some people are paying over $100,000 to do this, and again, you're not doing a lot of work, and the Sherpas really aren't getting paid that much when you look at the grand scheme of things to do this because, again, Nepal is one of the poorest countries in the world, and they have, again, such lax regulation compared to the China and Tibetan side of it. So, again, I really personally don't think if you're letting a Sherpa do much of the work and you're using a heated tent and all these comforts, that's not climbing. Yes, you're doing something. And, again, it's something I'm not physically fit to do. I get winded climbing up Klingman's Dome when we're walking that up. Because I'm not used to the oxygen, yet I still think I'm the most fit person when you talk about speed in uh, the whole Outlander media network. And again, my challenge is still out there to anybody, whether it be Haffle, DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, Phantasm Podcast, any of you guys on the network. Come footrace me. Give me a 100 meter dash. I'll beat you anytime, place. So let's go. Anyway... I'm not ready to climb Mount Everest and I don't think I'm going to get any more satisfaction of climbing it and getting more likes on my Instagram. I don't think the Modern Day Gladiators Instagram page is going to get more likes and just I don't I'm not going to feel as accomplished climbing Mount Everest if a Sherpa is doing all the work. So, again, it's a status symbol for a lot of these rich people to say something that nobody else has done, even though almost 10,000 people have done it now. So, again, don't do it just because you have the means to work at it a little bit for crying out loud. Don't be one of these medical people that – it's a mess. And I think, again, I think there need to be stricter regulations. I think these companies need to have better business practices for a lot of them. And, again, there's some great ones that say, oh, no, you're not ready. But then a uh, less scrupulous business or expedition company. Bank, oh, no, we'll take you up there. No problem. So that's not good. But uh, that's going to wrap up this first segment. But before we go to break, of course, I need to thank Joe Shirt for sponsoring the Outlander Media Network. You can go to JoeShirt.com and where you can get all of your great shirt printing. And of course, they've also got uh, Joe Joe Shirt uh, uh, Plus. And everything where you can do banners and and mugs and, and, of course, T-shirts and everything like that. Shipping here in Knoxville is free. You don't have to worry about that. They've got a company that's been doing this for over 30 years, which is phenomenal. And again, check them out, JoeShirt.com. Any idea that you have, they can put it to design and help you expand your brand and help your company grow with advertising like that that's awesome and we thank Joe Shirt you can't wait be excited about all the great designs we're having come to the Outlander Media Network and it's all thanks to Joe Shirt and they're comfortable they're beautifully soft t-shirts I love wearing them it's amazing so check them out again joeshirt.com we're going to take a break but we'll be back with plenty of shivels and bits after this here on modern day gladiators on the Outlander Media Network Welcome back, everybody. You hear the music. It's time for Shibbles and Bits here on Modern Day Gladiators. Always love breaking all this down for everybody. The NBA Awards were last night. Now, again, these are the regular season awards, you know, that happened when the regular season ended back in April. So some of you might have forgotten that the NBA had a regular season. I almost did at this point. But, hey, it's good to congratulate and reward them for that long journey of Wow, there's way too many games. The NBA really needs to go down 10 games and get it down to about 72, which is about what it seems like all the stars end up playing anyway when you really think about it with load management and all the other weird stuff they do. But let's hand out some awards. Uh, The MVP, uh, uh, I wasn't really surprised. It went to the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. And again, it was great to see him. He is only the second Milwaukee's Bucks player to win. The other one was a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, pretty good player in his own right. He's the third youngest MVP to win in the last 40 years behind Derrick Rose and LeBron James. It was a great. He had an emotional tribute to his family, which was wonderful upon receiving the award. So that was really cool. Defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. He won it for the second straight year. Another phenomenal season for Gobert. Hopefully the Jazz, adding Mike Conley there, could make them even a contender out there in the West. So that should be fun to see. Coach of the year, Mike Buddenholzer from the Bucks. They had the best record throughout the regular season. So congratulations to him. And again, these are the regular season awards. So just keep that in mind. Uh, So we talked about the coach of the year, the sixth man of the year, Lou Williams for the Clippers. It's the third time he's won that one. Hey, you make a living coming off the bench. You can play a long, long time in this league. And Williams has done that. Congratulations to him. The most improved player, Pascal uh, Siakam from the Raptors. He, again, had a great postseason. But even during the regular season, he increased his points-per-game output almost 10 points-per-game Uh, from this season compared to last season so that's just incredible a great job by him rookie of the year I wasn't surprised Luka Doncic for the Mavericks he's the fifth rookie ever uh, to average over 20 points a game five assists per game and five rebounds per game again congratulations to him all five of those rookies have one rookie of the year so that's a great statistic there uh, the Seeger the, uh, Strong Award was gone. Uh, went out to Robin Roberts, of course, a great force in battling uh, with, with cancer. Of course, the award is named after Chuck Sager, who, again, had a valiant effort with cancer and, and everything. So, again, a great tribute to him. The Lifetime Achievement Award went to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, of course, two men who pretty much brought the NBA to almost more prominence. Before uh, Magic and Larry got there, The finals were on tape delay. I mean, people weren't watching the NBA, and they were the first real step. Then Michael Jordan took it to another level. But Larry Bird and Magic Johnson just brought the NBA more to the masses than it was. Because, again, it was 1979— So it was, was, what, 40 years ago that they had the, the highest rated basketball game I think ever when you talk about their finals game in the NCAA tournament when it was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, Michigan State versus Indiana State. So just keep that in mind and see what they brought to the game of basketball, especially professional basketball. So congratulations to all the winners there for the NBA Awards. Let's move over to baseball really quick. This, again, the, the, the story you've got with what happened with Big Poppy David Ortiz being shot in the Dominican Republic, story and details continue to come out, which is amazing to see. Again, it was a case of mistaken identity. Former Boston Red Sox slugger David Ortiz, when he was shot in the back, it was mistook. the um by the gunman mistook him for the real target it was another man who was seated at the same table at an outdoor cafe the uh, dominican republic attorney general and and the national police director told reporters that the attempted murder uh was ordered from the united states by uh victor hugo gomez an associate of mexico's gulf cartel you knew this had to be drug related And they said Gomez had hired a gang of killers to eliminate his cousin, whom Gomez suspected of turning him in to Dominican drug investigators in 2011. The cousin, uh, Sixto David Fernandez, was seated with the former baseball star David Ortiz uh, on June 9th when a gunman approached and fired a single shot at Ortiz. And so, again, it, it, it's just amazing the way this story has evolved. The best news, though, is that, yes, David Ortiz still remains hospitalized in Boston, but doctors have upgraded his condition from guarded to good. So, again, we hope for a speedy recovery for Big Papi, as I've said many times here on this show, how much he means to the game of baseball and what he brought to it and everything there. Moving on, of course, to something we have talked about, it seems like, for the past few weeks here, protective netting in major league baseball stadiums a hats off to the nationals the white sox and the dodgers for all saying pretty much that they're going to install protective netting either all the way to the foul poles or almost to the foul poles which again is the right thing to do again this has come off of the fact that the four-year-old girl that was struck uh at the astros game and, you know, everything that happened with Albert Almaro Jr., who hit the ball, was visibly distraught. You had another player who hit a line drive and hit a fan at a Dodgers game just this week, and the Dodgers have come out and said, we're going to put this netting up. And again, it's the right thing to do. You look at a poll that ESPN came out with right after this. And again, by the way, these things are happening at all around the All-Star break. So don't listen to what Rob Manfred said about, oh, all the things Or We talked about this before, all the you know, ballparks are not the same and, you know, it might not be structurally easy. Please, you guys have millions of dollars and you have an all-star break. That's plenty of time to put a pole up and extend some netting down it that people are okay with. And again, they're using this not knotted netting, which will definitely slow the ball down. It's going to be fine. You look at diehard avid MLB fans. This was an ESPN poll that came out. Avid Major League Baseball fans, 86% of them are in favor of expanding the netting to the foul poles. And 78% of all Major League Baseball fans said it's a good idea. So, to hell with what the other 14% of avid baseball fans say. Put the netting up, because, again, we've already had an elderly lady pass away last year from a ball that was hit. Are we going to wait for a kid to die? I'm not doing that. Put the netting up and just deal with it. It's done. It should be up. There shouldn't be any question about this. And to hell with the people like, oh, I can't see. Your eyes will adjust. It's going to adjust. Things change. Things change guess what? You're going to deal with this because I'm not having a dead kid at any of these games. That's going to kill people coming to game. Poor choice of words. That's going to just detract from more people coming. Baseball already has a problem with people not coming. Attendance is low already. I mean, hell, the Tampa Bay Rays are even thinking about having half their season played in Tampa and the other half back in Montreal, which is a stupid idea, by the way. Just move the team. Nobody, that dump of a Tropicana and what's going on in Miami. Baseball in Florida even though the Marlins won, have won two World Series and the Rays have been good the past few seasons, nobody's going to the games. Baseball doesn't work in Florida at that level. So guess what? Move them to Nashville or Las Vegas or Oregon. Somewhere else. Stop that. And again, put the damn netting up. Put it up. End of argument. I'm. I'm don't even debate me on this because I'm going to win. I will crush you if you come at me with any other statistics about having your vision... I've sat behind netting the whole time I was at UT baseball games. It was fine. Had no problem seeing anything. So, shut up. Don't even break. don't even- don't, just don't. It's like the same people who bring up the lost cause in the Civil War. Don't bring that argument up. It's a stupid, pointless, mythical argument. Don't even do it. I will crush you all day long. Just like I'll crush anybody at Outlander Media in a foot race. Wow, I'm getting worked up. Too much work getting worked up this early in the morning recording this. Anyway, moving on to some fun things before I get mad again here in a little bit. I got another stupid story coming up, but uh, we're halfway through the Major League Baseball season, not yet to the All-Star break, but we're halfway through and lots of home runs. There's 22 players that are on pace for at least 40 home runs this season. My beloved Baltimore Orioles are on pace to give up 324 home runs. So again, it's about launch angle and bat speed and all this other stupid stuff, but that's leading to the bullpens being terrible. The average right now for um, for the bullpens is a 4.50 ERA. Meanwhile, starters are at a 4.44 ERA. It's the first time since 1969, if this trend continues, that the bullpen could have a higher ERA than the starters do major league baseball-wide. No bullpen has had higher than a 6 ERA, and right now the Washington Nationals and my beloved Baltimore Orioles are on pace to uh, shatter that. So that could be really interesting as the season wears on. And of course, you talk all these home runs. The Yankees uh, just had their 27th straight game with a home run. So they're on a record pace as well. So those are some of the other things going on in the world of baseball. Let me move real quick to horse racing. As we've talked about this before, uh, the 30th horse now has died at Santa Anita. And Hall of Fame trainer Jerry Uh, Hullefdorfer has now been banned by the ownership at Santa Anita uh, because the fourth horse from his stable has died. Again, really, the, the horse racing in America just needs to get overhauled completely when you look at these horse deaths because HBO Real Sports, I talk about them all the time, they do some great reporting. Over in Europe, in France, they barely have any horses die at all. And horses die all the time here in America, but nobody pays attention to it. And you can't because all these rich track owners and all these other stuff just keep putting the kibosh on it you need to just stop with the steroids with these horses and just the cruel treatment of some of these horses that don't win it's it's horrifying and just stop it fix it because again it's the sport of kings it's fun to go to the track it's fun to check all of that out but you're gonna have to fix it someone's gonna have to stand up to these guys and say hey no we're gonna put uh the kibosh on what you're doing and put in some drastic changes. It's been terrible. Also, in the world of college football, which again, this would be headlines uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, but now everybody seems to be used to this at some point. An LSU booster named John Paul Foon, uh, Funes, who pleaded guilty to stealing more than a half million dollars from a foundation he worked as a fundraiser, also paid $180,000 to a man that Yahoo Sports confirmed on Friday was the father of former Tigers star lineman, uh, Vidal Alexander. So again, he's paying the paying players. And LSU, LSU almost is blatantly doing this. You have enough problems with the basketball team, now you got something going on with the football. The guys pled guilty already to uh, fraud and different things like that. So pay attention to that. Of course, people, you shouldn't be too surprised that this is happening so much in Louisiana, a state that was run uh, by Huey Long for so long that it's just second nature for bribes and... and it, different fraud and, and corruption and things like that so leave it to lsu to be the downfall of uh what <laughs> has been happening in the ncaa a couple of other quick bits here as we wrap up shibbles and bits this happened uh earlier last week and i wanted to talk about it here again the brawl that happened at a seven-year-old Little league game in colorado there's a 13-year-old umpire and again, I remember that happening when I was that age. You have, you know, teenagers who are umpiring these games, which is fine. If they want to make a little money. Great. And again, it's a it's a game, little league game, seven year olds. But one of the apparently coaches or fans were upset at a call made by a thirteen year old umpire, another kid. And uh, at that point, coaches and 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 parents, none of the kids were involved in this. They're too young. They, were, they started fighting each other. There was a brawl that happened. It's on video of parents and, and fans and coaches punching and kicking each other, which was amazing. This is why I've talked about this before with just stupid behavior online. And, and, and just dumbassery overall. We don't need to put these people in jail. We need to bring the stocks back. You know, the, the things you do, you go to Colonial Williamsburg, one of those old-time places, you put your kid's head and your hands in it, put the stocks back. And put people, have them sit there for a day and be like, no, you're going to sit here and think about what you did and not be able to move for a while. That should be the punishment because prisons are already overcrowded enough with morons. Let's just... Deal with this that way. It's insane. I mean, this is why you see signs at some of these Little League parks now where they have to remind parents, which is insane to me already, that this is a game, these are kids. Coaches are volunteers, umpires are human, and no one is scouting your child for a major league contract when they're seven years old. The fact that you need to be reminded of that just boggles my mind at this point. It's just bad parenting all around. It's just awful, awful, awful. And speaking of awful... Um, at least not his play on Jeopardy. Jeopardy champ uh, James Holzauer, of course, had that great run this last year on Jeopardy. He, again, a sports gambler by nature, but he was going to take a shot at the World Series of Poker, the main event just getting underway in Las Vegas. Well, he decided to take his seat at the $10,000 main event. He played 14 hands and he was out. So what works in Jeopardy doesn't work all the time in the world of gambling. So, uh, but hey, he's got a couple of million bucks, so, congratulations to him. What a wonderful run he had on Jeopardy, but tried to play in the world of poker and didn't end well for him. I'm sure Trey Pack of Haffle and myself could make a little bit better run than 14 hands at the World Series of Poker. Maybe I can get to 15 hands. Maybe that's about as far as I can get. Still would be better than what he did. Uh, speaking of getting better or not being better, uh, WWE Stomping Grounds happened over the weekend, and whoo, nobody showed up at the Tacoma Dome, uh, the crowd was probably about half to two-thirds full, they were vocal, it was great, at least for most part, they treated Daniel Bryan, who's supposed to be a bad guy, they treated him like a hero, uh, be, you know, talk about his earth-friendly persona, I loved the chant, my wife loved it too, of, drive a Prius, clap, 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 I thought that was amazing, um, And again, they just pooped all over the fact that the special guest referee that Baron Corbin came up with was Lacey Evans. They were just, they were not happy about that. Pretty much chanting, this is stupid for uh, much of that match because again, he picked Lacey Evans because Seth Rollins wasn't going to hit a woman and because Seth Rollins had been hitting all the people that they thought were going to be guest referee with a chair. And of course, Lacey Evans is fighting Becky Lynch and Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins are dating in real life, which they remind us every five seconds. Like we all have the brain capacity of a goldfish and the memory of a goldfish when it comes to that. So anyway, at least all the right people went over. Kofi Kingston retained, uh, Seth Rollins retained as Becky Lynch came out and beat up Lacey Evans, who she beat earlier for the women's championship. Bailey beat Alexa Bliss, uh, Daniel Bryan and Recyclable Rowan uh, held on to their SmackDown Tag Champions. You do have a new Cruiserweight Champion in Drew Gulak, which was a great match. Again, not uh, just a paint-by-numbers match where, again, so many of them were rematches of a show we already didn't want to watch that happened in Saudi Arabia, and now we had this, which was ridiculous in its own right. And now it looks like we're just going to have more of the same because they... They can't think of anything to do with the main event picture until Braun Strowman, not Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar decides to come back. We're just getting more rematches. Now we're going to get, and I said this on the last Modern Day Gladiators update, that we are going to get a tag match between Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans versus Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, and that's what we're having, where the titles are on the line, so if Baron Corbin pins Seth Rollins, then he not only wins the wwe universal championship but lacey evans wins the women's raw women's championship which is just again it's ridiculous also on the fact that seth rollins has beaten baron corbin now twice pinned him clean as a sheet the ref counted to three it's over and becky lynch has made lacey evans tap out twice in a row they keep beating him you, you need to come up with new people at this point. We're just dragging people that I don't want in the main event. And then meanwhile, The Undertaker showed up, which is usually a huge pop, but he interfered in the Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre, excuse me, and Drew McIntyre handicap match with Roman Reigns, which by the way, Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre, which He's fine because he beat him at WrestleMania, so again, he keeps beating him, but he couldn't beat Shane McMahon at Super Showdown. Wins and losses still mean something when you think about wrestling logic, so it's just a headache, and now, for reasons that haven't been fully explained, The Undertaker is going to tag team with Roman Reigns, the man he... Uh, got retired, or he retired at WrestleMania 34 two years ago, or, or whatever it was at this point. I'm losing track at this point. My, it's just, I'm, I'm just gonna take a nap. It seems like when it comes to wrestling logic, I'm just gonna close my eyes, and at some point, something weird's gonna happen. It- they're having so many weird things going on. Now they've decided that there's going to be no more wrestling during commercial breaks. So they've got these weird pauses. They're going in and out of the th- th- it just interrupts the flow too much. I was sick and tired of half the matches glassing through commercials, but this is not the way to do it. They used to be able to divide it up perfectly. I don't know what their problem is. So that's frustrating. Uh, storylines are just getting dragged out. Some of the good things that happened, you did have a new United States champion, Ricochet beat Samoa Joe at Stomping Grounds, and now it looks like he had a great main event with AJ Styles, looks like they're going to have some type of program, even though AJ Styles beat him straight up on Raw, even though it was a non-title match. I don't know why you've got your champ losing that immediately, of course that happens all the time now in the WWE, the 24-7 title changes seem to be just the most fun and creative thing that they're doing. It's the most entertaining thing they're doing, and it's such a low point of the card that that's why Vince isn't paying any attention to it, which is why it's fun. Our truth is a gift. is a wonderful treasure to have for this. You have <laughs> Drake Maverick, you know, a lick spittle in his own right. Win the title and wear it at his wedding, and then a referee showed up at the wedding, and Arthur snuck up behind and rolled up Drake Maverick as he was walking back down the aisle with his new bride. And now his bride is trying to annul the marriage. They haven't even consummated the marriage. She's so upset about what happened. Just the ridiculousness of it, but at least it's it's continuity that makes sense. Unlike everything else going on in the WWE. And Samoa Joe has attacked Kofi Kingston, so at least we've got Dolph Ziggler hopefully out of that program with Kofi Kingston, but again, thank goodness the G1 Climax is starting July 6th, so I finally have some good wrestling to talk about for a change, so I'm excited about that, but the WWE just puts me to sleep, and just, it makes my head hurt, it makes my brain come to a screeching halt, and it makes me just want to take a nap until next WrestleMania when it comes to them. But I'm going to go take a nap at this point. That wraps up this edition of Modern Day Gladiators. Thanks again for listening. Of course, like, subscribe, share, wherever you listen to this podcast. We will love you forever, wherever you listen on the Outlander Media Network. Until next week, I have been Michael Shibley. Too sweet. I love you guys. See you next time.